Welcome to This Week Health Community. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Today, we have an interview in action from the 2023 fall conferences of Chime in San Antonio and Health in Las Vegas. And we want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. And they are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com. And here we go. All right, here we are at the Chime Fall Forum, and I'm here with a friend and CIO for LifeBridge Health, Tressa Springman. And we always joke about your name. Your name is one of the hardest to spell in all of healthcare. It's well, it, it gets mispronounced quite a bit. I've been called a lot of things, not all beginning with a T. Um, great to be here with you, Bill, and a really, really big event for our 30th anniversary. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. How's the event going so far for you? It's fantastic. It's so good to uh, be in an in-person venue again because so many of us know how relationships are just key yeah. to uh, keeping us inspired and motivated and feeling like we're contributing. How about that last panel discussion? John oh, Glasser, yeah. Andrea, and, and Teresa. Well, look, I got to officially go on record that I'm the chairperson of the John Glasser fan club. He is the most articulate, brilliant man. He taught my boot camp, and this past week I taught boot camp in an effort to, to play it forward. But I hope we haven't diluted the talent since then. But oh. I thought it was really, really interesting and relevant. Frankly, I thought that the key attributes that those three leaders, past, present, and future, they actually share the most important elements of effective communication, understanding what matters most, and being reminded that in healthcare IT, we're never going to make probably the most money as we might in other industries, but we're always going to be able to have a sense of purpose. You know what I liked about each of them? They were able to command the stage. Not command the stage because they were a powerful presence, but they were able to command the stage because they were competent, they could articulate a story and a narrative. Yeah, they, they were, were real. They, they were, were real, very they were authentic. confident. It wasn't like a TED Talk where it goes through in, in rapid succession and you're wondering what just happened. I know it sounded good, I know it seemed energizing and responsive, but what was that? But, but that's what it takes to be a CIO now, right? It does. So one meeting you're sitting there with, with a group of nurses and you're saying, okay, help me to understand what you're trying to do. Here's some, you know, you're, there's empathy, there's conversation. Then you're in a board meeting and you're saying, hey, I'm asking for $50 million, yeah. I'm asking for whatever, and you, yeah. you have to sort of portray confidence. Like, we're gonna give you $50 million. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, so I mentioned relationship management. Situational awareness is key. You can be an introvert or an extrovert, but you've got to read the room. You've got to know your audience. What is going to garner respect from the people you lead may be very different based on your culture than the people you're paid to be a leader for. Yeah, what's top of mind at LifeBridge? Now, before you answer this question, everyone has answered financial challenges, cybersecurity, and clinician burnout. I would assume those three challenges exist at LifeBridge as well. Absolutely. How are they looking to the CIO and to technology to address some of those challenges? Well, I will say thematically what's been a problem for us is getting out of a tactical mindset and getting back to our pre-COVID roles of being strategists. I'm a little worried. We did a great job in doubling down on what the needs of the day were with COVID and the pandemic. And now we have the economy, we have this big pediatric RSV wave. 
and I'm just seeing my peers flood back to that immediate gratification of operational solution. So I think my broader response to your question, Bill, in the context of a lot of disruptive innovation and new competitors in our market space is that we've got to work very hard to refocus our executive teams on the next three to five years. Yeah, it's interesting. The pandemic turned us into wartime leaders. Yeah. And it's, hey, whatever needs to be done, put the hat on, get in the trenches, we'll make it happen. Running the huddles and, and the command centers and whatnot. But it's interesting coming out of that, we need to almost rethink how we're doing healthcare because we have fewer staff, yeah. less money, and that will take us stepping back, as a, not just as a CIO, but as a leadership team and saying, all right, I know this is how we've done it for the last 50 years. But what does the next 10 years look like if the staffing remains at this level and the numbers remain at this level? And that's the, those are the strategy yeah, conversations. Yeah. So my analogy would be, and having given this a lot of thought, the COVID pandemic was to telehealth what our clinical workforce shortages will be to catalyzing us from doing digital to being digital. Right. I think we're seeing a reduction in those barriers of threat and a burning platform of the workforce shortage to move us more quickly through the change curve of an openness to technology just as part of the care delivery ecosystem. So we just talked with Terry Coots with the Guthrie Clinic and we were talking about how they're bringing cameras and AI into the room. And she's like, this is something it would have been hard to, prior to the pandemic, would have been hard and prior to this current environment. But now, said so we did the first pilot and within like a day or two, the nurses said to her, yeah, expand. Like, it's like, we're doing this pilot. It's like, no, 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 expand immediately. Like, there's so much pressure of, we need help. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the answer is multifactorial, right? We've got to automate non-value-added tasks. We heard all the great work being done at Christiana Care with that robot Moxie yesterday. Yeah. That's taking all the repetitive, non-clinical, non-relationship work off the bedside care. We too are piloting a virtual nurse model to augment and what does that mean? And I think the barriers we would have had prior, some still exist because there's still just the discomfort with change, but we've got to accelerate on all fronts. We hear about organizations putting in digital footwalls that have telehealth embedded, ambient computing, so ambient vision and voice of the caregiver, the patient, the family. I think what's been really fascinating is that this pendulum has swung squarely back to refocus most of we CIOs who've been looking at the ambulatory setting, non-acute activity, transitions of care, the continuum, back on the chassis of the inpatient hospital. I know that's occurred for me over the last six months, and that's very different than the last 10 years. All right, we'll get back to our show in just a minute. We have a webinar coming up on December 7th, and I'm looking forward to that webinar. It is on how to modernize the data platform within healthcare, the modern data platform within healthcare. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation. We just recorded five pre-episodes for that. And so they're gonna air on Tuesday and 
Thursdays leading up to the episode, and we have a great conversation about the different aspects, different use cases around the modern data platform, and how agility becomes so key, and data quality, and all those things. So great conversation, looking forward to that. Wednesday, December 7th at one o'clock, love to have you join us. We're going to have health system leaders from Memorial Care and others, CDW is going to have some of their experts on the show as well. So check that out. You can go to our website, thisweekhealth.com. Top right hand corner, you'll see the upcoming webinars. Love to have you be a part of it. If you have a question coming into it, one of the things we do is we collect the questions in the sign-up form because we want to make sure that we incorporate that into the discussion. So hope to see you there. Now back to the show. It's really interesting as you see that. And one of the reasons is because that, that campus, that inpatient hospital is very expensive. A lot of labor, a lot of resources put into that. And traditionally has been very inefficient. I was talking to a CIO. I couldn't get this on camera, but we were talking about the fact that there's this process they need to fix. And it's essentially, they don't have enough rooms. People come into the ED and it takes them eight hours to discharge them after they know they can discharge them because they just can't fix that communication process. No. And there's still a lot of, I'm not going to call that low-hanging fruit because it's hard, you and I no. both know that's hard to do. Absolutely. But there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of workflow inefficiencies that if we could just double down and get focused on it, among many other competing priorities, we could do a better job. Absolutely. So, so what are you telling the next generation of health leaders, the, the CIOs and boot camp and that kind of stuff, what are you telling them about the role and about the future of healthcare? I don't think the core tenants have changed. We've upgraded all the material, but the real leadership competencies to excel have been pretty singular around relationship management, perspectives, yep. self-care, maybe some more brass tactics like governance, understanding it, knowing it, owning it, changing it, innovation. What is it? What is it not? There's a lovely piece by John talking more about an invention versus an innovation. I just, the success factors that we've used in boot camp, while they have been contemporized over time, at the end of the day, it's really as a technology professional utilizing your executive skills to create alignment between what your own organization's goals are right. and how you and your team can be a partner in technically enabling them for the benefit of your community, the people in your organization, et cetera. It's you, actually as simple as that. You added the, I said CIO in your introduction, but you added the CDO title, right? Yeah. Digital, yes. not data. Yep, not data, not this time, <laughs> but I do that too. What does that mean, adding the digital officer to your title? More That's work. an interesting <laughs> question. Actually, I was doing the work and in right. very close partnership with our chief marketing officer, who is very, very skilled in this space, but very new to healthcare. And I think the things that we have been called upon to do, I have been called upon to do, whether it's standing up an analytics footprint, standing up a population health initiative to support the organization, I think the digital consumer and being digital as opposed to doing digital, it follows all the same core tenets. You need governance, you need focus, you need to know where you are, you need the organization to help inform you on where you need to go. And unfortunately, in healthcare, many of our marketing functions have been very small. Unlike retail or other organizations, 
It's a small but mighty group because we do rely on referrals and word of mouth or have in the past. I think that'll change further. So although I've partnered with marketing and our CMO has been a, a very, very good partner, he just in the healthcare space didn't have all of these fundamental underpinnings that I raised my hand to get into place for us so that we could create a construct, have those discussions, have a roadmap and start on the investment path. About a year into that, I just went to my boss and said, I'm doing it, do you mind? So sometimes you need to self-advocate and just put your hand up and say, this I think would be in recognition. Now, I don't want to infer that the CIOs who don't have that in their title either aren't working just as hard in this regard or should be. A lot of it depends on how you're structured, how quickly you want to move. I'm not our chief innovation officer. I'm not our chief analytics officer. So again, I think a lot of it is about what I bring to the solution and what the organization needs. Right, Tressa, it is always great to catch up with you. Always thank a you. pleasure, thanks Appreciate for fitting it. me in. Another great interview. I want to thank everybody who spent time with us at the conferences. I love hearing from people on the front lines and it is phenomenal that they have taken the time to share their wisdom and experience with the community, which is greatly appreciated. We also want to thank our channel sponsors one more time who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.